0: What is going on, Laker fans? Uh, thank you very much for being a part of Lakers Talk. This uh, Tuesday night, Lakers got, obviously, the night off. The entire NBA has a night off. Go out there and vote if you haven't voted yet. Uh, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. We got a lot to get into. The 2-8 and eight Los Angeles Lakers. We'll talk about what we think over the first 10 games Point out some of the issues, obviously, for the Lakers right now. Uh, look at the upcoming schedule. There's some winnable games coming up. Can the Lakers kind of right some of their wrongs over the next 10 games? We'll have to wait and find out. Uh, Jovan Buha covers the uh, Lakers and the NBA for the Athletic. He'll join in about a half hour or so. So we got a lot that we uh, that I certainly want to get into. If you're a Laker fan out there, hit me up on Twitter, at Alan Slewa and I'll read off some of the tweets as the show progresses. So... Um, 2-8 and eight start for the Lakers. They started out the season 0-5. and 5. Obviously, we know how things have gone so far for the Lakers. And the 0-5 start was one thing. Then you came back and you won two games in a row. And you thought for a quick second, not thinking that the world was going to change. But you know what? That's a good win um, against the Denver Nuggets. That's a good win against the Pelicans. However the hell you got that win against the Pelicans, you did end up winning that game. And you thought, all right, maybe the Lakers are building towards something. Last three games for the Lakers, if there was an identity that the Lakers had set, um, I think at this point we're trying to figure out, well, I don't know what the identity of the Lakers is today. They lost to the Jazz, the Cavs, and the Jazz again. And the last two days, the Lakers losing back-to-back games. That's the Cavs at Crypto and then uh, last night at Utah. Something different happened. It wasn't just three-point shooting struggles. It wasn't just turnovers. It wasn't just, um, hey, does the other team just have better talent than the Lakers? It wasn't just um, poor execution towards the end of a game. The Lakers lost because they couldn't get any stops and they didn't play any defense. They gave up 130 points to the Utah Jazz, 114 points to the Cavs, 139 points against the Utah Jazz, um, in last night's game and you know what I thought maybe just maybe the Lakers have somewhat of an identity that they're going to lose games but you know what they're going to play defense night in and night out and that's going to keep them in a lot of ball games that portion has gone away at least up to this point and it was interesting listening to Darvin Ham yesterday and you know obviously seeing the Lakers reaction and listening to Anthony Davis um, this is a team that you know I, I don't think they have the answers and if they did i think that would you know that part of it would uh w- would get figured out by now and it's just 10 games but when you start the season out 2 and 8 it is really really difficult to get yourself out of a hole in the western conference there's a quote that that came from Darvin Ham that i thought was interesting he said i would say this write it quote it however this may be happening now at the outset of what we're trying to force to be a culture change in terms of getting us back to being highly competitive on a uh, highly consistent basis, but it's not always going to be like this. We're going to turn the corner. I didn't come here to lose. They didn't bring me here to lose. So you hear Darvin Ham, and and you, you can kind of see the state of where Darvin Ham views the Lakers. Obviously, everybody, you are a Laker fan, you are the front office. It doesn't matter. Everyone's not happy that the Lakers are sitting at two and eight, and I am sure Darvin Ham on the top of that list, getting his first head coaching experience or his first head coaching opportunity. And the Lakers are losing as much as they are. You can't change the first ten games. You are two and eight. I had a caller. I think it was during one of the post-game shows a couple nights ago saying, well, you know what, I don't think their record reflects who they are. No, their record does reflect who they are. And when I look at this Lakers team, and as, as much as I kind of sit back and I reflect on the first 10 games and I try to try to pinpoint, why are the Lakers sitting at 2-8? and eight, My biggest concern with this Lakers team right now is there is not one thing of why they've lost eight of their first 10 games. And, you know, you might say, look, they just had a really difficult schedule to start off the year. You can make that argument. It's kind of weird that their two wins are against two playoff teams, the Nuggets and the Pelicans. Uh, the Warriors have struggled. The Clippers have struggled. The Portland Trailblazers you thought was going to be one of those games that you can put you could chalk up as a W, and they should have won that game, even though they've got off to a great start. And the really odd one is the Utah Jazz, who've played pretty much flawless basketball through the first 10 games of the season. They're sitting at 9-3, and three, the best Record in the Western Conference. Um, my issue, I think, with the Lakers right now is if you're not a defensive team, if you're not a team that can shoot threes on a consistent basis, if you're not a team that through 10 games we know what your identity is, um, that's the part that concerns me the most. Because if the Lakers were losing games and they're 2-8, and eight, but you could look at four of those games and say, hey, they're right in it at the end, and then either some poor execution or Donovan Mitchell hit a crazy shot or Jordan Clarkson pulled up for three, he's never going to hit that shot. If it was just bad luck on some of the losses, you can kind of create a story uh, for yourself. You could maybe convince yourself that, all right, it, it's not that bad. They just got off to a really bad start. I don't think that's the case with the Lakers right now. I think they're getting beat by just better teams. And who would have thought that the Jazz, the Blazers, that these are better teams than the Lakers? Over the last couple of years, we spent a lot of time talking about the Lake Show, and we would say, "Well, just if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, they're going to be a good team. They could hang with anybody. But those two have to be healthy." And I'm, by the way, I'm I'm one that was for a lot of a lot of time. I was one that was kind of what I would agree with that. But now you got LeBron. LeBron's only missed one game out of these ten. AD's only missed one game out of these ten, but they're still sitting at two and eight. And we know some of the struggles both of those players have had. Whether it's LeBron who's having career lows as far as shooting percentage goes, he's struggling from the three-point line like I've never seen. And it could very well be health. And by the way, if it is health, um, you know that also kind of goes into the goes into play of the 20th season in the NBA. At some point, he's going to have to he's going to act his age. And even with that, he's still going to put up 25 and six and six or whatever his numbers are. But he obviously hasn't been the same player through the first 10 games. Anthony Davis, there's kind of this back and forth. We had a game, before the game yesterday against the Jazz, he went through this stretch where he had three straight games where he had three total shot attempts. um, Pelicans, Jazz, and the Cavs. He had three total shot attempts in the fourth quarter of those games. So he's had kind of moments where, yeah, AD, his numbers might look good, but How much is he impacting the game? How much is he taking over in the fourth quarter? And the answer is not much. So that's where we are through the first 10 games. So if I I try to just give a quick little recap of of the Lakers through Um, the first 10, of course there's concern, and and I think every Laker fan feels the exact same way. I I don't know what will turn it around, how it will change. And for the Lakers right now, they've had – Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis in most of those games and Russ coming off the bench for a handful of games, which is, you know, obviously seems to be working and they're still losing games or losing by double digits, at least in these last three games. So they got a lot of work to do. And I, I will point this out here. This might be the one positive thing here. They got some really winnable games coming up in the rest of November. Um December is going to be a tough one. They're going to go out on the road. They'll be out for a while, and they got some real tough matchups in December. But the rest of November, here are their next 10 games. They got the Clippers tomorrow. It's a Clipper home game. Clippers are 6-5. and five. Um, Lakers were in that first game against the Clippers. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard hasn't been playing. Uh, they got the Sacramento Kings, the Brooklyn Nets, the Detroit Pistons, and the San Antonio Spurs the next four after that. All those games are at crypto. They're at Phoenix then they got two against the San Antonio Spurs on the road and then they got the Pacers and the Blazers back here at Crypto. The reason why I point out those 10 games this just might be the season that these next 10 games if you came out of it uh 6 and 4. You're like okay, you know what? You you learned some stuff, you found a way to correct some of your wrongs, you're you're not 500 but you're hovering so, somewhere around that and maybe now it's more apt to get a better trade or get involved in trades because it's after Thanksgiving and it's the first, uh, you're, you're finally in December. And Woj had pointed that out a couple of weeks ago that probably trades won't go down until after Thanksgiving. But if you're not 8 and 12 and they're sitting at 5 and 15, that could very well determine your Lakers season. Through the first 20 games, you're 10 games below 500 and you got this really tough stretch coming up in December. I really actually think the more that I give it thought that these 10 games, Um, for the Lakers, these next 10, probably determine the season. And I don't want to try to sound dramatic here, but you'll figure out, hey, is it worth going out there and still making a trade because you're still in the mix and you're starting to play some better basketball? Or is it not worth making a trade because you're going to give up way too much draft compensation and there's no correcting where the Lakers are? That's what I feel like these next 10 games are for the Lakers. So uh, keep that one in mind, Laker fans. And I, I know for every Laker fan that's out there, you're hoping things start to change, but I also think that you're only able to uh, only able to control so much. Uh, Lakers talk is presented by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChains.com for location and game winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. We appreciate their partnership here on the show. Um, you know, it's interesting. Last night I'm I'm watching the game, listening to it. Lakers taking on the Utah Jazz, and I cannot tell you something was happening with the Utah Jazz that, and this, this, in my opinion, is something going on with the NBA right now. The teams that are playing solid basketball, it does not have to be star power. And the Utah Jazz are a perfect example of that. Now, I'm not telling you that in 30 games or in a couple months from now, the Jazz are still sitting atop the Western Conference. I know that was what nobody predicted. Um, Portland 7-3. and three. Denver seven and three, Dallas is six and three. Um, then you got some surprises. Clippers only a game over five hundred. The Warriors sitting at four and seven randomly. I, I I'm paying attention to the teams that the Lakers have played so far. There's a theme to some of them. And I think Utah and Cleveland are the ones that pointed out the most. They don't have superstars, but they got a lot of good players that just know their role and are playing team basketball. And, you know, it's easy sometimes to look at the Lakers at, at the height of what LeBron and Anthony Davis were, and I'm talking about that championship year. You can have two guys that carry a squad, but damn, was Rondo important and Dwight Howard important and KCP and Kyle Kuzma and JaVale McGee? Go down the list of all the players, Danny Green, that were, um, that were contributing for this Lakers team. And watching Utah yesterday, I saw a team that I don't know who's going to shoot the ball. I don't know who's the you know the bigger. I don't know who their real threat is. They had seven guys score the ball or uh, seven guys scoring double figures. They put up a hundred and thirty-nine points against the Lakers, and Lakers really had no answer for just a you know a, a random team like the Utah Jazz. The Lakers had no answer for, and it wasn't star power. I, that's why I, you know I kind of stop for a quick second when I say that because. Um, we might be at a stage right now in the NBA. I know Giannis is your star with the Milwaukee Bucks. I know Tatum is a star for the uh, Boston Celtics. I know that you know Devin Booker. You could say for for the Phoenix Suns. But man, if you don't have six, seven players that can contribute on any given night, it is tough to win in the NBA, and we're seeing that right now uh, for the Lakers. Okay, a few things we'll do when we come back. Um, I always kind of look at individual performances. I'm going to spend a little time here on Anthony Davis. I always look at individual performances, and AD has he's had an interesting stretch for the Lakers so far this year, interesting couple of years for the Lakers, and you're starting to hear more and more now, hey, should the Lakers shop Anthony Davis? Uh, I want bring to bring that up as a conversation uh, going forward. So stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
1: Must be 21-plus plus and present president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: All right, Lakers with the uh, night off. Um, they got a game coming up tomorrow against the Clippers. Crypto.com, Clippers' home game. Clippers in at 6-5 and five on the season. They uh, came back. While the Lakers were taking on the Jazz yesterday, I thought that the Clippers were going to lose. They went on, I want to say, a 15 to nothing run. They were down 12 against the Cavs with a few minutes left in the game. They went on a 15 to nothing run, ended up beating the uh the Cavs by two so the Clippers all of a sudden winning some games I mean obviously Kawhi Leonard has not been in the lineup for them so they're still trying to kind of figure out and adjust things but they got off to a really rough start and then beat the Rockets in a couple of games beat the San Antonio Spurs and then lost to the Jazz like everybody seems to be uh doing and then beat the Cavs yesterday so they're six and five on the season um some interesting chatter. I'd I, I like to say over these last couple of days, and this has not really been a conversation in the past. And it all started with Bill uh, Bill Simmons um, talking about that he's hearing that AD may be available, may be available. And and this is uh, according to a report for him, Bill Simmons on the on the Ringer. I'll, I'll read the exact quote he said. So the Lakers lost again today. There's some buzz, just some buzzing that AD Anthony Davis might be available. That's a plan B because a Westbrook trade or whatever they think they can get for Westbrook and whether you want to give up future assets, maybe that doesn't even make sense because what you are getting if you're the Lakers. So I I kind of want to walk through a couple things here with Anthony Davis. AD is not the same player he was a couple years ago, period, point blank. I don't want to – You know, some of it obviously has to do with your availability, um, but Anthony Davis, I'm going to use the stats this year, 23 points, 10 rebounds so far this year. So per game, 23 points and 10, almost 24 points, just under 24 points. I always look at Anthony Davis and, you know, a couple things come to mind um, when I watch AD on a night-to-night basis. I, I look at stats, but I pay less attention to stats for Anthony Davis. For me, it's how are you impacting the game? That's the thing that I care most about with Anthony Davis. He had a couple plays last night against the Jazz, specifically early in the game, which is not uncommon for AD. He has a better first half than he does a second half, and I can't tell you why. Um, he had some moves where it's perfect footwork. It's a perfect spin move. It's a perfect drop step. And Anthony Davis looks like, wow, how does anybody stop this guy? And Lakers were going to him early, too. You know, maybe without LeBron James, they there was more of a focus to say, okay, let's run everything through Anthony Davis. Lakers had no trouble putting up points yesterday. They, they had 71 points in the first half. They gave up 76 in the first half to the Utah Jazz. But AD had, you know, one of those moments where you're like, all right, AD's doing what AD does. Second half you feel is impact less. And we've had that happen with Anthony Davis. And I think through the course of four quarters – Um, you know, nobody's telling you that he's going to be a Olajuwon or Shaq or anything like that, but I think there are stretches, way too many stretches, too long of stretches where you don't feel Anthony's, Anthony Davis's presence the way that you're accustomed to feeling it or the way that you want to feel Anthony Davis. I'm hearing all these, you know, rumors and chatters, and there's an article today in the Bleacher Report, landing spots and trade packages for Lakers star Anthony Davis, um, I don't think that the Lakers are going to make a move for Anthony Davis. I don't, and you know part of the reason why I think that is, I think they're still trying to, as best as they can, compete with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and figure out the rest of the roster. Uh, and I get it for those who are saying, "Well, no, no, let's just see what Anthony Davis can get you." I understand where that's coming from, and and listen, if you're the front office right now when you're two and eight and you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, and Russ, and you're 2-8, and eight, then I think there's not, there's no scenario out there that you don't explore because you're thinking about how can you make the Lakers better today. You're thinking about how how you can make the Lakers better in a year, two years, five years, seven years. I mean, you have to be thinking that if you're obviously running the front office for the Lakers. A lot of the chatter has been around Russ. What can you get for Russ? How much draft compensation are you giving? Um, And that's why I kind of go back to this. I think these next 10 games will decide the Lakers season of what they're going to do. Are they still going to go trade, Russ? Are you going to give up more draft compensation? Are you going to take advantage of some of these teams that are not good over the next 10 games and maybe convince yourself that, hey, you could still hang around and if you go make a trade and you go get the right support and the right role players, that Bron and Anthony Davis can still be a real threat. Uh, for the rest of the year. It's tough to say that and believe it at this point, especially when you're 2-8. and eight. But I think the Anthony Davis chatter, I understand it and I get it. I don't think Anthony Davis tomorrow is going to become a top-five player. I, I saw before the season started, I think it was Kendrick Perkins that put out there that he thought Anthony Davis was going to be MVP this year. And immediately I was like, nope, Kendrick, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that because I was doing that for the last two years Trust me when I tell you, do not put those expectations on Anthony Davis because I don't think AD is going to deliver that. And I think so far this year, he has been pretty much the same big man that he was the last couple years. Um, the difference is he's actually in these games. He's played nine of ten games so far this year. It's great. You know, you want to see Anthony Davis in as much as possible. But is his impact taking over the way that the Lakers need it to be? No, it's not. Is he a player right now where you say to yourself, okay, this is the franchise piece and we could easily build around this guy to go compete for the next five years? I'm not seeing it. And, you know, hopefully some of that changes as the season progresses. But the Joel Embiid, the Jokic, the Giannis Attentacumpo, those conversations are long gone, and those are probably the only three big men that you could look at in the NBA and say, yeah, you can go build a franchise around those guys. Um, It was once the case for Anthony Davis, but I don't see it currently. And when it comes to the conversation of should you shop Anthony Davis, should you trade Anthony Davis, I think all that stuff will figure itself out when you figure out what you want to do as a franchise moving forward. And I don't think that part is clear yet. Um, If you did shop Anthony Davis, aren't you saying, okay, hey, this chapter is over, um, we're, we're going to start moving on. I mean, Braun is in his 20th season, so are you saying, okay, you're still going to go build around LeBron James? That doesn't sound like that is, you know, you really have to have the right pieces if you're going to do that. That's why I prefer if these next 10 games Lakers are still in the mix and they start playing some better basketball and you listen to Darvin Ham saying, I didn't come here to lose and these things are going to change and the Lakers actually do kind of start changing the tune over the next 10 games I'd rather still go see what you can go get for Russ and, you know, whatever that draft compensation looks like and get some real role players. If it's the Miles Turner, Buddy Hill, or one of those types of trades out there that you feel like you can still compete. A lot to figure out. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it myself. I think nobody really has the answer right now of what the Lakers should do. Nobody really has the answer of how the Lakers are going to make, um, how they're going to improve all this stuff you know the ad part the the not showing up really in the second half and the fourth quarters for me is is the most um that's the most frustrating because that's when you need Anthony Davis the most and that has not been the case uh so far for the Lake show so there is um there's a couple things here that Jovan Buha the athletic he's coming up here in a few minutes but there's a couple things you know if you if you go look at in the NBA right now i'm having a difficult time trying to figure out who are the teams right now? I, I think the Bucks is an easy one. Yeah, you know, you knew they were going to be a problem. In the Eastern Conference, you figure I think Boston will still be in the mix. But go look at the Western Conference right now. The West is throwing me off a little bit. Memphis is seven and four. Dallas is six and three. Um, Clippers are six and five. The Pelicans and the Spurs are playing five hundred ball. Minnesota is only playing five hundred ball as well. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are 4-7. and seven, Probably should have lost that game to the Sacramento Kings yesterday. The West is weird. The Western Conference is, is, uh, I guess, the best way that I can put it. Very unpredictable on a night-in, night-out basis. That maybe is where I hold a little bit of hope is that I look at the Western Conference and I say, okay, I, I know there's certain teams that will be there when the dust settles. I know there's certain teams that will be in the playoffs when the dust settles. But it is, uh, it's random. Very, very random right now the way the Western Conference looks, and I guess uh, we'll see if things start making more sense as the season progresses. Okay, Jovan Buha of The Athletic covers the Lakers and the NBA for The Athletic. He always does a great job um, around Lakers basketball, and I'm uh, curious to get his thoughts on what he's noticed so far, how he feels, where he feels the Lakers are, and if any of this stuff's going to improve uh, in the near future. So we'll do all that coming up next. day right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Want to welcome in Jovan Buha of the Athletic, covers the Lakers and the NBA for the Athletic. Uh, Jovan, thank you, buddy, uh, for joining the show. Um, let Let's start with this. Rather than kind of speak, um, rather than specifying on one game, I just want to kind of talk about the two and eight start with the Lakers. I've had a difficult time uh, being able to describe what the Lakers are through 10 games. What is their identity? Obviously, it hasn't helped these last three games. If you thought maybe they're a defensive team, now all of a sudden they're giving up 130-plus, a couple times to the Jazz, the 114 against the Cavs. How would you, as best as you can, identify what this Lakers team is 10 games in?
1: Well, I think that they are definitely better than their record. I don't think that this is a 2-8 and eight team. Uh, I feel like it's been a perfect storm of almost everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. Um, Just, you know, the the issue for them is like, at the end of the day, like your record matters. Right. And, and there are no moral victories and and you can't look back at, Oh, well we were, you know, we should have won the Portland game or um, you know, we should have won the Cleveland game or, or whatnot. Like uh, you you can't, you know, change your record with, with, you know, revisionist history. So, I think for for them, it's it's been obviously a, a brutal, uh, you know, schedule. Like the, the Jazz are supposed to be the, the easiest team uh, during their their first ten games. Like that was like, oh, this is a lottery team that they're playing. Those will be a couple wins. Like the Jazz are first in the West, so you just look at they played the Warriors, they played the Clippers, they played the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Nuggets twice. Like the Timberwolves, like they they've had a really tough schedule. They have basically played nothing but playoff teams. Uh, even Cleveland was supposed to be kind of an easier team and there's the top of the East. So like, I think from a schedule perspective, it's gone, you know, about as tough as possible. I think this probably will be their, their toughest 10 game stretch uh, this entire season, arguably. Uh, And then you look at the injuries and, you know, Pat Bev missing a few games, LeBron missing a game, uh, LeBron being hobbled with the foot and then the sickness and AD dealing with the back and missing a game. Like, I think again, it's just been kind of like this perfect storm of of things going wrong for them. Uh, but but that said, again, like you know, results matter, and um, I think it's, it was nice to see them beat Denver and, and beat New Orleans. I, I think those are two solid wins. But I think if, if you're almost like simulating the season, uh, th- this was kind of the worst case for those first ten games. So I really look at the next five games to me as you know, really a must win stretch for them looking at the Clippers is going to be a tough one, but after that, they got the Spurs, they got the Pistons, uh, they got the Nets, they got the Kings. Um, So like those four games, they got to go at least three and one in in my opinion to have any chance uh, of salvaging this season. And you go three and one, maybe, who knows, maybe they even beat the Clippers like four and one during that stretch. Okay. Now you're looking at uh, what six and six and nine, like th- that's a little bit more palatable, but if they go two and three or one and four or something, uh, you know, the season—it <laughs> feels like the season's almost over before Thanksgiving. Uh, as crazy as that sounds.
0: Well, it's funny because Yovan, I, I was actually just talking about that. We we're looking at the schedule, and I said that I think these next ten games are your season. That's gonna—that's going to basically determine if you're getting closer back to 500 and now maybe the timing is there where trades are more open and there's opportunities to do this that whatever the case is or why even make a trade at this point so let me let me actually walk walk you through these next 10 games by the time november is done you mentioned the clipper game okay the sacramento game after that four game home sacramento brooklyn detroit and san antonio none of those four teams and listen, the Lakers don't get the benefit of the doubt. They could lose any of those games. However, it wouldn't also be crazy if the Lakers win games against the Sacramento Kings or the Spurs just because these are not, you know, obviously this is not the upper echelon of the West. After that, at Phoenix, two road games against the Spurs, Indiana and Portland to close out the rest of the month at Crypto. Let, let me throw this your way. Let's say the Lakers in these next 10 games, because it's the matchups that I mentioned— Let's say they went seven and three. How does that change everything you think as far as um, okay, you know what the Lakers they are gonna go trade Russ and they are gonna go make moves and they are gonna give up some draft capital or if they went three and seven. Can you kind of just explain how um, being five and 15 or being nine and 11, how that changes the Lakers future after the month of November?
1: Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big difference. Uh, you know, the, the Lakers have been targeting that kind of end of the month, Thanksgiving ish range as the the time when they want to make a decision on the roster of, you know, where are we at in in the West? How competitive are we? Is it worth giving up future draft capital? Do we have a shot? And if you're five and fifteen, um, you don't have a shot right? Like already it's looking tough to kind of see this team cracking the, the top six in the West with, with just the start that they've had. So you're already kind of looking at it like best case scenario for this team right now is probably seven seed, you know, playing team. And that's the the ceiling, right? Like, and, and we, we kind of are seeing the floor right now. Um, I mean, they're on pace to win 16 games as, as, as like, and they're not going to win 16 games, but it's just, you know, they've had a brutal start. So, the difference between 15 or, you know, five and 15 and, and nine and 11 to me is massive. And if they can show some life and go seven and three or, or eight and two, or, or maybe even six and four mm-hmm. during these next 10 games and, and get to an eight and 12 and nine and 11 at, at 10 and 10, like that to me is where it's okay. We got 60 games left. We're, we're about 500. Um, you know, we, we can win 40 plus games Let's go get a Miles Turner and a Buddy Heald. Let's go get a Yaka Purtle and, and a Josh Richardson. Like, let, let's go make a move that's going to upgrade the starting lineup and the rotation. Uh, those two moves in particular I like just because I think the, the center position has been pretty rough. And, you know, the Lakers did not enter the season wanting to start 80 at the 5. They they'd wanted to start him at the 4. But I think Thomas Bryant's injury, Damian Jones's play, like they, they don't have a lot of center depth in, in general – like that has caused AD 80 to play exclusively at the five. And I think if you could get a miles Turner or a Jakob Purtle, that would upgrade the starting lineup. That would upgrade the rotation overall. So I think for them, it's really going to come down to where are we at around that 2025 game mark. And if they are five and 15, I think it's kind of a wrap and you just mm-hmm. say, okay, you know, we're going to keep Russ, we're, we're going to keep our future picks. And, um, you know, maybe we have a miracle kind of finish to the season, but most likely we're we're a lottery team, and it just kind of is what it is. But if they show some life, kind of get closer to 500, as you're suggesting, that's where I think it's worth let's just go all in and try to give ourselves a shot. And um, I think you can make the case that they probably should have done that before the season, and they might not have been in the current spots that they're in, but they're 2-8. It you know, is what it is, and uh, if this team has any life, they have to show it over the next 10 games. Otherwise, I do think it's probably a wrap. Yovan Buau
0: covers the Lakers and the NBA for the athletic joining Lakers talk here. Yovan, does that I'm trying to think here you know the Lakers obviously have been trying to avoid giving up that those two um those two first rounders 2027, 2029. Does that change anything in if they are sitting at 9 and 11 or something like that and you're at the end of the month wh- what is Palenka from the offseason to the end of November? What was the hope? The hope was the asking price would come down. The hope is that teams would say, you know what, we just don't want to win games and we're in a position right now where uh, we might as get rid of some of our role players and get some draft capital. Why do you think that the asking price to go get Russ's contract and everything else and to go give up some role players, do you, was the strategy that the, the asking price would come down by the time you reach December 1st?
1: Yeah, well, as uh, I and my, my colleagues at the Athletic r- reported uh, a few weeks ago, um, there wasn't a consensus w- within the front office. Ultimately, um, you know, they had revisited the Indiana deal right before the season started, uh, but there was not a consensus among the group. And Genie uh, Bus wanted a consensus to move forward with such a a big decision of, you know, trading uh, you know, two future firsts and and just kind of. All that comes with it, with with the limited resources the Lakers currently have to trade, uh, that was obviously a very big decision, and there there was not a consensus in the front office. So that ultimately was why they didn't make a move before the season. But I I also think that there was a strategy behind it, and it was a multifaceted strategy. Of you mentioned the asking price going down, and with, with each day that passes, Russell Westbrook's contract is a little bit less. You know, he's getting paid. Um, every couple of weeks. And uh, that, you know, so it's, it's no longer a, a $47 million expiring. It's, you know, I don't know exactly how many pay periods, have sure, passed, sure. but yep. it, that's in, you know, the low forties now. So every day that passes Russell Westbrook's contract becomes more valuable as a massive expiring contract. Uh, you know, the, the closer they get to the trade deadline. So that inherently what was going to raise the, the value of that contract. But as you said, I think at the time they were kind of looking at, okay, maybe Indiana, maybe Utah, Maybe San Antonio, but you know, in in waiting, you have the possibility of other situations arising. I know Chicago is, is one team that they've had their eye on and, and a situation they've been monitoring, and you know, Charlotte is another one that's been out there. So, like, I think for them, just kind of looking at the, the league landscape of is there a team that thought they were a playoff team hmm. that that is underachieving and maybe they're willing to move some of their starters or maybe even a star that gets disgruntled in a situation. So they just felt that there'd be more options the, the longer they waited. And then third, and this is kind of might end up being the most important one is they wanted to see how good they were. Right. And kind of evaluate if we are five and 15, if we are you know four and 16 or, or whatever, like, is it even worth making a trade? Sure. And sure. I think it, it's kind of, it's kind of rough because they had such a tough schedule that I think it is hard to evaluate this team. I think you know, they've had the toughest strength uh, schedule in the league. If they had even a league average schedule, I think we're talking about a four and six start, a five and five start. Even with kind of everything going wrong that's gone wrong, I think they had a slightly easier schedule. They played in Orlando, they played in Houston, they played in Detroit. Like this is a team that I, I think is four and six, five and five, and we're having a different conversation right now. But because of how tough it's been. We're looking at a two and eight record, and uh, I think for, for them uh, again, kind of a bigger sample size of, of 20, 25 games, they can really evaluate. Okay, now we have played, you know, we we played some hard teams, but we've also played some easier teams. And if they can't beat the Detroits and the San, like they should go three and zero against San Antonio, they should win all three of those games. They can't do that. They can't beat Detroit. They can't beat Sacramento. It's a different story. I don't know if Miles Turner and yep. Bud healed are even, you know, moving the needle there. So I think for them, there's still an evaluation period of, of, of the roster, but, and there's also other moves they can make. It's not just trading Russ. You could potentially trade a Kendrick Nunn, a Patrick Beverly. You could attach one pick to one of those guys and, and do a smaller deal. Mm-hmm. But right now I think the plan continues to be, if we get to that 20, 25 game mark and, and work are at least semi-competitive, let's move Russ for something and, 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 you know, go for it. But with the way it started, obviously, um, you know they're they're starting from behind, and, and these, as, as you said, these next ten games are, are very critical.
0: Jovan Buha of the Athletic joining a Lakers talk here. Jovan, I, I know it's just chatter, but it's going to come up, especially for the Lakers playing as bad as they are right now. Um, what do you make of the conversation of the Lakers and? You know, how long do you, do you start shopping Anthony Davis? Is that an option? Is that a player that you want to kind of start looking at and saying, okay, what is life of the Lakers without AD? What do you make of some of that chatter there?
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to, to my knowledge, from what I've been told, um, that there's nothing serious behind that. Uh, I think it's it's more of a interesting thought exercise than, than anything. Um I wouldn't be. I mean, if this season goes entirely off the rails uh, again, and we're talking a few weeks from now, and, and this team is five and fifteen or, or in that range, like I think it's it's something you you do have to consider, Um just because I, I think if this season really you know ha- has no future to it, right? Like you know, the Lakers are kind of in between two eras. Of, of they are very much win now with LeBron, AD, and Russ, but obviously. Um, you know, they, they are trying to maintain their draft capital and, and look toward the end of the decade and, and you know, kind of build out the best future, you know, realistically possible. So I think in that case you, you do consider it, but I, I don't think they're trading. you know, if they do end up trading A D or, or exploring that those, you know, uh you know, that's possibility, like you're not really trading him from a position of strength right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they they wouldn't have the, the leverage they would have had over the summer or, or after the the 2020 season, so you know, are are you is it worth trading AD for, um, you know, like you know, if you blow them away with a package, I could see them you know considering it potentially again depending on the record, but if they're getting you know a couple of interesting young guys and maybe like a couple picks like that to me isn't worth it and doesn't move the needle. And of course what AD wants matters. And and maybe who knows, you know, he, things get sour and, and he wants out like we we don't know, but I think for now that that's more of a thought exercise than than anything substantial. Uh, But again, if the season continues to go off the rails, I think that will be something that they have to consider just based on the way the season's going. But to me, I think, you know, it's going to go one of two ways, which is they either turn things around in the next 10 games and look to make a more competitive deal or the seasons kind of is what it is. And um, you know, they they start to think about selling pieces off. But uh, I I think with, with AD I think he's got a lot of flack to me. He's been a defensive caliber, uh, defensive player of the year caliber defender. You know, he he was a big reason why they were a top three defense for the first six, seven games. Uh, I know the the touches have been an issue. And and part of that's on him. Part of that's on the coaching staff. Part of that's on uh, his teammates. Like, I think that the blame pie goes all the way around, but like, I still think with AD, like at his best, he's a top 10 guy in the league. I still think that. And uh, I personally would not be willing to give that up unless I was blown away by the package. And again, I don't think the Lakers are selling him at a high point right now. And um, so I think for for them, it's something that is a plan. I don't even know if it's a plan B. I think it's more of like a plan D or E sure. with the season going off the rails. But um, as of now, I, I don't make much of that.
0: Yo, one final one. I got about a minute here. Um, just your thoughts on okay. LeBron's start to the season and some of his struggles so far.
1: Yeah, it, it's been rough. Uh, the, the shooting efficiency has not been there. I, I think on paper entering the season, LeBron was the Lakers' best or, or second-best shooter, and that obviously hasn't played out. Uh, but I think that's going to come. You know, he He has started the last couple of seasons a little slow, by his standards i mean he's still putting up 24 7 and 9 so it's not like uh he, he's uh, you know washed out there right like he, he's still putting up um unprecedented numbers for a a soon to be 38 year old but of course the, the efficiency has not been there the jump shot has not been there um i think even the, the finishing like he, he's making 69 percent of his shots in the restricted area which is a really good percentage but it's not the 70 plus percent that we normally see from LeBron and we've seen like a CJ McCollum block him at the rim and, and guys stripping him and him not finishing uh, with, with his normal efficiency. So I think for, for him, you know, he's, he's been battling this foot issue that I think has sapped some of his athleticism. He's obviously been battling this virus for a few games. So I want to pump the brakes on, on the LeBron is, is washed. The, you know, LeBron is over the Hill again, 24, seven and nine, He's still putting up big numbers, uh, but I, I suspect the efficiency will come back later in the season and, and probably sooner than later. But if we're at the 30-game mark and he's still shooting this bad, I'm willing to entertain those conversations. But I think people just love to overreact one way or the other with LeBron.
0: Yovon, my man, that was uh, fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time. Always great insight around the Los Angeles Lakers. Thank you for coming on the show, bud.
1: Appreciate it, Alan. Talk to you soon.
0: All right, that's Yovan Buha of The Athletic. When we come back, give our final thoughts here. Lakers taking on the Clippers Small. We'll talk about that as well. Stay right here. Lakers Talk 710 (laughs) ESPN. Thank you, Yovan. All right, thanks, man. All right, buddy. Thank you, man. Welcome back to Lakers Talk. Appreciate Yovan Buah taking the time to uh, join the show. Uh, Lakers talk is presented by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Love having Yovan on. He does such a great job, and I, I think you know that conversation, that perspective about all right, you're through two, you're through ten games, you're two and eight. It's it's, in my opinion, it's the worst start that you could have came up with. Um You know, I've already kind of went through all the details, so I don't have to do that again. But we won't look behind us. These next 10, you know, he was mentioning the next five games. I think it's the next 10 games that determine your season. I really do. Um, You got winnable games. And if all of a sudden you win 7 of uh, 10 and now you're closer to 500 and you have an opportunity, you're 9 and 11 by the time you're 20 games in then I think they are going to say, all right, well, we're in the mix here. We kind of weathered the storm. Let's go get a couple good role players out there. Hopefully the draft compensation that other teams are asking for has come down. Maybe there's some teams like Jovan mentioned that thought they were going to be a playoff team and now all of a sudden they look like they're not and they want to start selling. And it's not just the the Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs that are the conversation. Maybe there's other teams that say, okay, well, we don't need two first-rounders. We'll take one in a second rounder, whatever the case is. Um, That's the best-case scenario is the Lakers, um, they play over the next 10 games like a pretty good basketball team against bad opponents and do some damage. And then they could go make a trade, and we could kind of all convince ourselves, all right, the Lakers are in the mix here. Their team is better. They got better role players. They found a shooter. They got a guy playing alongside Anthony Davis that's a big that can also go out and defend. The other scenario is you go 3 and 7 and you're 5 and 15 through 20 games. I think you already answered your question. There isn't a trade that's going to save the season. There's no point of trying to save the season that you're just you're not a good team. And if you go 3 and 7 in these next 10 games, that means you're losing games against the Spurs or the Pistons or the Sacramento Kings or the Pacers or the Blazers again. Um, that is, I, I really do feel that's going to determine what the rest of the season is going to be and how the Lakers kind of approach, how the front office, uh, approaches uh, the trade deadline, going to make trades or whatever the case is. I think a lot of that is going to be determined over these next 10 games. I, I you know, I, I spend time and I, I do this and I think this is kind of a fun exercise to do. Um, you're, you're not. You haven't convinced or sold anybody through the first 10 games that you're even a even a 500-ball club. What are you going to convince over the next 10 games? Because you start walking into December. I don't even want to get into what the December schedule looks like. If you're 5-15 and 15 walking into December, your season is a wrap. Um, they go on a six-game road trip right out the gate. And it's Milwaukee and Cleveland and Toronto and Philly and Washington—all teams that I think will be playoff teams. Then you got home games against Boston and Denver. Then you're back on the road. You got Phoenix and Miami and Atlanta and Dallas. I mean, it, December's December's brutal. So if you thought the beginning of the schedule was going to be tough for the Lakers, it doesn't get all that much easier. Okay, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Um, all the Lakers can really control is the games that they got coming up. Lakers got the Clippers coming up tomorrow. 5.30 will be the pregame show. 7 o'clock will be the tip-off. Clippers have played 500 basketball. They're 6-5. and five. It's a winnable game. I'm not one to give the Lakers benefit of the doubt, but this is one of those games where they played the Clippers. Second game of the season, you thought they had chances to win that game. We'll find out if the Lakers can you know, start out this next stretch of 10 games with some Ws. It will start tomorrow against the Clippers. Uh quick shout-out here. Appreciate everybody who – was listening to the show. Thank you to Yovan Buha, The Athletic, um, Michael Funches, uh, Mario Ruiz, Laura Romo, appreciate everybody internally as well. If you did miss the show or you missed part of the show, you can always go back on ESPN LA on the app. Uh, the podcast, Lakers Talk podcast is there as well, so you can uh, catch the full uh, one hour of the show. LA, always appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night. I'm Alan Slewa This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.